Sunday, we learn about the Lamb promised. Uh, and in Genesis chapter 3, verses, uh, verse 15, really, according to this verse, of course, uh, there will be enmity between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. Uh, God promised that the serpent uh, would bruise the heel of the seed of the woman. Uh, and, uh, but that same seed, uh, we now know, who is the Lord Jesus, of course, would also bruise, or better yet, fatally wound or crush the head of the serpent. That bruising of the heel uh, was fulfilled when Christ was crucified at the cross, 2 Corinthians 5.21, for he hath made him to be seen for us, um, who knew no sin, that we might be made in righteousness, uh, made the righteousness of God in him. Certainly his death on the cross uh, was... uh, Uh, As much as Satan thought that it is fatal and final, it wasn't. It was not. Uh, For after three days, Jesus rose from the grave, did he not? Uh, And uh, in fact, the death of Christ was just the beginning of Satan's defeat. Now, John 12, 31, the Bible tells us that now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. Now understand, when I say beginning of his defeat, understand that he is already defeated. Satan is already defeated before the foundation of the world, really, as we know it. Uh, he, had, uh, he didn't have a slightest chance. He has uh, already fallen from heaven, the Bible says, cut down to the ground and will be brought down to hell to the sites of the pit. Isaiah 14 tells us that, verses 12 to 15. Now the next stage in Satan's defeat is found in Revelation chapter 20 verses 1 to 3. And uh, I saw an angel come down from heaven having the key of the bottomless pit uh, and a great chain in his hand uh, and he laid on the dragon that old serpent which is the devil uh, and Satan and bound him a thousand years and cast him into the bottomless pit uh, and shut him up and set a seal upon him that she should that he should not deceive the nations no more till the thousand years shall be fulfilled and after that he must be loosed a little season eventually satan will be cast into the lake of fire along with those who followed him revelation chapter 20 uh, verses 7 to 10 and when the thousand years are expired Satan shall be loosed out of his prison and shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. But the the passage didn't stop there. And they went up on the breadth of the earth and compassed the count of the saints about, and the beloved city, and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them and the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. I say again, there are those who teach that the word forever doesn't mean forever in the Bible. That's heresy. That is heresy. And so again, if you hear that said, That is not true. 
This, beloved, this event will be the day when the serpent's head will be finally and fatally crushed forever and ever. I know with all that is going on in this world today, it, it, it doesn't take much effort. You only have to turn on the television uh, if you're into television or, or on the radio or in print or in digital uh, news. Uh, you can uh, see what's going on in this world and... Uh, and many of us could say, can his final defeat come soon enough? Oh, beloved, be comforted. Romans 16, 20 tells us, And the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. Paul wrote that in the believers, for the believers at Rome. And how much it meant to him that the crushing of the head of the enemy will come shortly. It's certainly shorter now. This morning we're going to learn still about the Lamb. After all, the series that we have for this Christmas season is Behold the Lamb. But this time, not just the promised Lamb, but the prepared Lamb. The prepared Lamb. Open your Bibles, please, to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1. Gospel of Luke chapter 1, and would you stand with me please, if you're able? Luke chapter 1, beginning here in verse 26. Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 26. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored, the Lord is with thee, blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be? seeing I know not a man. And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she also hath conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her whom was called barren. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. Father, once again, we are face to face uh, with you and your word. I pray yet again, Lord, that you would teach us your truth. We'll be all filled with the Holy Spirit. Again, I ask, Father, that I stand behind this pulpit. I give you 
word justice. As best as I know, I've studied. Now I pray that you would use the preaching of your word today to speak to the hearts of your people. Father, in the business of this time of the year, may your people cast their ponderings aside for a moment and that put you first. And Lord, help us not to be hearers of your word today, but just not hearers, or rather doers of it. And again, if there's anyone in our midst t- today that don't know you as their Lord and Savior, I pray today be the day of their salvation. Meet with us, Father, and may we be pleasing and glorifying before you now. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. The title of our message this morning is The Lamb Prepared. The Lamb Prepared. As we learned last Sunday, man in Adam and Eve fell into sin and instantly everything about them and around them changed changed. Because of the disobedience, their disobedience to God's command, they died. Not physically at that time, but spiritually. And because of that spiritual death, and more importantly, because of God's love of them, uh, and indeed uh, every uh, humanity uh, that was ever born into this earth and will be born as a whole, they too, uh, as uh, every man, woman, and child, uh, they will be made alive again. And the only way that that could happen is that what we read on that verse on that wall. Let's say it together. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Beloved, I say again to you, this verse, and he, the Lord Jesus, is the reason why we celebrate Christmas. Uh, Notice how God has fulfilled and still fulfilling his promise to us, that promise of redemption uh, in the Lamb prepared, who came into this fallen world in Bethlehem due to sin. Notice firstly the prepared place. The prepared place God chose to bring about his promised uh, Lamb. Uh, Again, in verse uh, 26, we read, uh, And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Now, hang on, Pastor. The promise, according to the prophet Micah uh, and the gospel writer Matthew, uh, Jesus was to be born in Bethlehem, not Nazareth. Also, Jesus was referred to as a Nazarene. Mm. So which one is correct? Is this verse a contradiction and an error in Scripture? Not so fast. Absolutely not. The Bible is inerrant, meaning it is without error 
And can I say to you, it is incapable of being in error. Notice again our text. And in the sixth month. Sixth month of what? Sixth month of Elizabeth's, Mary's cousin's pregnancy, not Mary's. Now turn to Luke chapter 2 now, verse 1. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree uh, from <coughs> uh, Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed, meaning his domain, his kingdom should be taxed. Now go down to verse 4. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea unto the city. So out of the city of Nazareth and unto the city of David, which is called what? Bethlehem, because he was of the house of lineage to be taxed with Mary, his wife, being great with child. And so it was that, that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. We understand, but still, Pastor, why was Jesus referred to as a Nazarene, not a Bethlehemite? Now, why am I laboring on this? Because there are liberals out there who will try to tell you and discredit the Bible and tell you that it is with error. And if you don't know your Bible, if you don't know how to defend it, it will cast doubt in your mind. And so why? Why is he not called a Bethlehemite? Well, simply because Joseph and Mary lived in Nazareth. Okay, his own country, the Bible says, where Jesus grew up as a carpenter's son along with his earthly parents and earthly brothers, Matthew 13. And you can study that for yourself. It's no different to my daughters and many of you. They were born in the Philippines, but they lived here almost all of their lives. And we don't call them Filipinos. We call them Australians because they grew up here. But before we move on, I want to let you know of some other thoughts about the prepared place where the baby Jesus was born. We know, of course, that he was wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in a manger in an animal feed throw, that is. Uh, this is a, a representation of that. Uh, it's not quite exactly the same, but there are animal feed throws such as this one. Uh, there are ones made of stone. Uh, and uh, there are once a rectangular thing. And those of you who are with me on Wednesday nights, I've shown you some images of this. Uh, and so um, they are, he, he, was, uh, um, he was wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in a manger. And by the way, if you're familiar with uh, housing situations in Bible times, uh, you would know that the inn, Cataluma, uh, could be a private residence with guest rooms catering for travelers, especially during this time where the, the time of the census, uh, and there was no room in the inn, the Cataluna, okay, 
nothing was available. The whole place is booked in our lingo today. Also, houses back then had a place for their animals. Remember, it's an agricultural economy and their animals is their precious possession. And so they would take care of these animals so they wouldn't wander away or they wouldn't be stolen. And so the places for their animals are inside the house. Yes, it would have been a separate room. It would have been downstairs uh, room, separate, but still in the same roof of the house together with the owners or the residents of the house. How about that? Living with your own cattle. Right? Imagine the smell. We're so privileged these days, isn't it? We have our two, three-story houses and our animals, if we do have them, they're all sanitized. Not then. The common understanding was that the place where the baby Jesus was born in an animal stable, or it may well be somebody else's house with an animal section. Now turn with me to Micah chapter 4. We know, of course, uh, um, uh, Micah chapter 5. Now let's go to Micah chapter 4 in the uh, Old uh, Covenant, Old Testament. Micah, chapter 4. It will take us a a while to get there. Micah, chapter 4, here in verse 8. Micah, chapter 4, verse 8. Okay, we're there. And thou, O tower of the flock. Let's just stop there for the moment. There is a thought, beloved, that and that's uh, all I'm going to say for now, a thought, uh, that the shelter in which Jesus was born was a place in the northern part of Bethlehem called Migdol Eder. This was a watchtower with a place, a space underneath that tower, which the shepherds used during the lambing season. The lambing season, of course, is that time of the year when sheep gave birth to their offspring. During this period, shepherds must provide extra care and attention to the ewes, E-W-E-S, and their newborn lambs to ensure their health and survival. Now, this watchtower, Migdol Idea, is where the newborn lambs were sheltered that would then later, don't miss it, be used as animal sacrifices for the temple. Now, with the prophet Micah, who foretold Bethlehem as the place of the Messiah's birth, who also mentioned in chapter 4, verse 8, Migdol Eder, and thou, O tower of the flock, uh, known to be Migdol Eder, the thought was, a thought, since there was no room in the inn, Cataluna, a private residence, Mary delivered the baby Jesus in the place used to deliver newborn lambs. Included in this other thought is that when the angel said unto the shepherds, Luke chapter 2, and this shall be a sign unto you, ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, 
an animal feed throw, the shepherds knew exactly where to go. When they said one to another, let us now go even unto Bethlehem, where Migdol Idea, the tower of the flock is, it's a familiar place to them. Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which is come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. Now, if this was actually the case and the place, understand that no one really knows the exact address. They didn't have 328 Basewater Road posted on their door, you see. Understand that if this was actually the case and the place, how fitting. A type, a picture, yet again of the Savior Christ born in the same place where the sacrificial lambs were born. Uh, with him being the one, capital O, sacrificial lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Secondly, sorry, that's a prepared place, Bethlehem. Iris aptly put it here near to the manger. Secondly, a prepared person. Verse 27 of our text, back to uh, the Gospel of Luke. To a virgin spouse, to uh, a virgin spouse whose name was Mary. This woman chosen and prepared by God was just not any other person, but a pure person, a virgin. Now, if you're using these Bible versions, the Good News Bible, the Whole Man Christian Standard Bible, or HCSB, or the New English Translation Bible, NET, you will not find the word virgin you'll find the word, a young woman. Folks, there is a world of difference from a young woman to a virgin woman. Make sure, make sure that you're using the right version. And this is the reason why we encourage you to use the King James Version. Now having a dig, there is a reason why other versions are not the correct translation of the scriptures. But don't get me excited about that now. And so, again, uh, this person, the vessel that God used to bring his only begotten and beloved son into this world was a pure person. God's plan to send a Savior into the world will be a pure Savior, one that did not and is not and will not uh, inherit the sinful nature that Adam brought into this world. By sending Jesus into this world through the womb of a virgin, God was able to give His Son a human body and a human nature without Him inheriting or having a fallen nature. These allowed Jesus to be born without sin, live without sin, and die without sin. Dr. Gary Baxter, in his uh, amazing article about Christ's blood, he said, and I quote, When a child is conceived, 
the mother's blood is never mixed with that of her fetus. The two vascular systems are completely separate, and even though nutrients and waste products freely transverse the placental membrane, the two bloods never mix. The two bloods never mix. This is the reason why you mothers have a different blood type or blood group with that of your child. You may be type O and the, uh, your child will be type A, uh, which you carried in your womb for nine months, yet not the same blood group. And so, Christ's blood was his own, precious, justifying, redeeming, atoning, purchasing, overcoming, bringing near, covenanting, and washing us free from sin, as Dr. Baxter rightfully wrote. And so while Jesus uh, was on Mary's womb, her blood, which was polluted with sin through Adam, it was never in the same vein, hence the lamb prepared was the only pure and perfect sacrifice for sin. Isn't that amazing? I confess to you, Right here, right now, I do not fully understand the details uh, of how God conceived Jesus into Mary's womb. That is why it is a miraculous birth, out of the ordinary, certainly not earthly, but heavenly. But what I understand is without the virgin birth, the foundation of our faith is no different to other religions out there. Without the virgin birth, we have no hope, and we are still and will remain in our sin. Without the virgin birth, we have no Savior, and to dismiss and deny the virgin birth of Jesus Christ is to deny the true faith and the inspired Word of God. Again, before we move on to our next and final point, spare a thought for Mary. I think many times because we have heard and read the account of the birth of Christ, it becomes so familiar to us, so familiar that we fail to appreciate its essence. Think of Mary and how much faith it took her as she listened to this angel tell her about Jesus. She was troubled in verse 29, in fear in verse 30, Confused in verse 34. But in all of that, Mary said in verse 38, Behold, the handmaid meaning the maid servant of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. What humility. What fate in the midst of trouble, in the midst of fear, in the midst of confusion. Understand, beloved, Mary is espoused, betrothed to Joseph. That means in the society of her day, she is deemed or she was deemed as has been already married. Only that her and Joseph have not yet consummated their physical act of marriage intimacy. And for, the, for her to be found with child 
effectively an adulterer under the law. She should be shamed publicly and stoned to death. You see, these unfold in John chapter 8. When a woman caught in adultery in the ark, remember? And she was brought unto Jesus. And she was accused of uh, being caught in adultery in the ark. But you see, Mary was no adulterer. She was this pure person prepared by God and who was willing to do all that God required of her regardless of what the cost, what the consequences to her personally. Oh, Calvary Baptist Church, may we be like Mary. May we have an attitude of humility. May we have an attitude of faith in what God has said, even if we do not fully understand that we would trust him and what he says in his word. A prepared place, a prepared person in Mary. Notice now the prepared person in the Lamb of God. In the Lamb of God. Verse 31 he shall be called Jesus and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father, David. He shall be called Jesus, Yeshua in Hebrew, or Joshua in English, which means Jehovah saved or Jehovah is salvation. I believe Mary did not fully understand all that she was told at the time. She heard and know what that Jewish name went. It's a common name in the Jewish economy. Uh, but she did not understand, not at this time at least, how her son, who is to be named Jesus, will grow up one day to die on a cross to save man again, including herself. There are other faith groups today that teaches that Mary is the mother of Jesus and she is biologically or earthly. But she too needed to be saved. Okay. Matthew 1 verse 21. And she shall bring forth a son and thou shalt call his name Jesus for he shall save his people from their sins. Luke 2.11 For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior which is Christ the Lord. The prepared Lamb of God shall be called Jesus for He shall save His people from their sins. Secondly, the prepared Lamb of God shall be great. Verse 32 uh, she shall be called, He shall be called great and be called the Son of the Highest. Uh, and here we find, in other words, the prepared Lamb of God was, is, and will always be sovereign. Verse 33, He shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. What does it mean to be a sovereign God or the sovereign God? I'm not sure whether we really can and actually define God and his sovereignty in a word. Now, I have theological books about it. 
Uh, I had to uh, study the sovereignty of God and defend it on my ordination. And uh, I have to have some discussions with some people about the sovereignty of God and uh, what it does and what it doesn't do and uh, all of these. But what does it mean to be the sovereign God? Like I said, this is an attempt. But just so we know in our limited understanding that to be the sovereign God is to be preeminent in power and authority. God being sovereign means he is omniscient meaning He is all-knowing. God being sovereign means He is omnipotent. That means He is power and He is all-powerful. God being sovereign means He is omnipresent. That means He is everywhere present at the same time. He is not limited to time and space. He rules the universe, what we see, what we don't see, and what we are yet to see. He is in control of all things. He decides what, where, and how things can and will happen. And he is answerable to no one but himself. He is absolute in authority and unrestricted in his supremacy. Verse 37, nothing is impossible to him. That's just an attempt. And many more could be said about the sovereignty of God. The lamb prepared shall save his people from their sin. The lamb prepared shall be sovereign. And thirdly, as we close, the lamb prepared is worthy of our submission to him. Worthy of our submission to him. Verse 38, be it unto me according to thy word. Today and sadly many do no longer believe in Christmas as in the birth of the Savior Christ. People in their billions do not submit themselves to the one who came to save them from their sin. They are offended by Jesus, even by the mere mention of his name. They oppose spiritual truth and want to erase every trace of Jesus' virgin birth. One shopping center here in Victoria, Natalie, uh, did not even want to wish their shoppers anymore with Merry Christmas. Instead, they wanted to be supposedly inclusive and say, Merry everything. <laughs> Does that make sense to you? Merry everything. How absurd. But in their quest and in the desire to remove Jesus from anything about Christmas and so-called inclusivity, this is what is the best that they can come up to. This is, of course, after removing and replacing the word Christ in Christmas with an X. Christ is therefore canceled, just like anything and everything that he is and what he represents. Oh, mercy. What is tragic here? is that everyone seems to like the benefits of this time of the year. 
the time off work, the holidays, the festivities, the discounted Black Friday sales, the parties, the gifts, yay, marry everything. But certainly not marry for Christ, who came to bring great tidings of great joy. Oh, the hostility and the hard-heartedness of sinful men. Then there is not just the hostility, but the indifference. You know, the scribes in Jesus' day, they represent the religious elite. They are the gatekeepers of the so-called faith. They are the known, the, the, the intelligent ones, those that know of the faith uh, in Judaism. And so they, they are the ones who knew all the facts about Jesus' birth, but did nothing about it. They just didn't care and couldn't be bothered. When Herod asked them if they knew where the baby was to be born, they knew the answer. They told him where to look, but they themselves didn't flinch and put one foot forward ahead of the other to Bethlehem, which was, listen, only 1.6 kilometers from when they were. Now, most of you run, uh, run or even walk that without no problems. They couldn't be bothered. They were so indifferent about it. Whereas they, oh, beyond anyone else, they should be celebrating and worshiping the Lamb promise. They were indifferent. Are you like the scribes? You couldn't be bothered. You know all the facts about Jesus, about the birth of Christ, but you're choosing to be silent about it, or even worse, critical of Christmas. You know the truth. You know what is right about Christmas, but you keep on focusing on the wrong. Don't be, please. Don't join the chorus of people dismissing Christ, the Christ of Christmas. Don't be like the scribes of old. Be like the wise men. Be like the magi. Seek him and worship him. Be like Mary. Submit to the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. His name is Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sin. The Lamb prepared. He is the Savior. He is sovereign. And he is worth submitting to. Will you? Will I? Will we? As I said last Sunday, and I'll keep on saying it, we are yet in that time and the end of the year, and we're face to face with this Christmas season yet again. Will we be approaching it in the same way that we have done for all these years and be whole hum about it? This year we're lifting the ante. We have the the banner out there on the gate, 
some of us have been distributing the, uh, the flyers. We have attempted this year before our 50th anniversary to distribute gospel tracts in the community. Our platforms, our collaterals are busy. Uh, some of you have been asked to translate uh, uh, this little video clip in your own native language. There's however many nationalities we are here. Look at it. All of these, all of these, to tell people about the Christ crucified who came to this world to be the Savior of men. What will it be for you this Christmas season? By now, I would have expected that track rack at the foyer to be empty of the Christmas tracks. You've sent cards. You'll be sending gifts. Would you send a gospel track about Christmas? The best gift, the neglected gift, happy holidays, the real, the most expensive tree, there's a photo of the Christmas tree. It's not the most expensive tree. Well, we do. What is Christmas going to be like for us this year? Oh, I pray it will be different than the years before. A real effort and an attempt to not be critical, but rather be focusing on what is right and teach people what is right about Christmas. Don't join the chorus of criticizing Christmas. We're not celebrating a mass. We are celebrating the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for the lamb promised, and thank you for the lamb prepared and so, dear God, as we live through our life, as we await your imminent coming, help us to be bold, help us to really do our part, especially this week to distribute as many flyers as we can, invite people for uh, our Christmas presentation at Knox Community Center, tell them about Christ and how he loves them and how he died for them. And Lord, uh, we as uh, conduit, as channels uh, of the gospel message, full and free, may we take every opportunity that we get. And as we turn off our computers at work and we wish everyone uh, a, a very Merry Christmas, would we, would we, this year, let people know who we are and who we believe and why we believe and before we wish our workmates a happy holidays and see you next year, may we tell them about the Christ who came to this world, who came to be born, to die so that we may live. Thank you for the blessings and the opportunities of this season brings. And may we do all for the glory of the Savior which is Christ the Lord. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.